1: Today, we're going to cover something that we get requests for all the time. Uh, So when you email me at Matt at topadvisor M with show suggestions or guest recommendations, guess what? This guy that we have on today is going to fulfill all of that for you because we get a lot of questions about media training and how do you look good on camera and what happens when the press calls you. And Steve Koch is the gentleman who we're talking to today. He's a founder and lead media and presentation training expert
0: at Media training network Steve welcome to the show well thank you very much Matt it's a pleasure to be here and I'm looking forward to giving some great information to your audience
1: now I'm on your LinkedIn profile right now and it looks like you have been a news anchor why, why don't you uh walk us through a little bit about your background and how you became this uh training expert
0: okay thank you very much you know um I I kind of hate to give a background information on myself because I've come from a television broadcasting background, and it's always that we ask these three questions. Keep it short, get to the point, and always ask, Always keep in mind that the audience wants to know what's in it for them. So if I give my background, it's usually short and sweet. I started when I was 15 years old. I had the opportunity to go on television as a TV weathercaster from age 15 and through high school. After high school, went to college, ended up at ABC in Los Angeles. Then I went to the Weather Channel to start that in Atlanta, went to ABC in New York City, and then back to Atlanta with CNN. I closed out my career there for 10 years. So I've been in broadcasting for a long time, also mixed in some radio work, as I know you did, Matt back in the day.
1: Yeah, so uh I started at 13. I of course I didn't have the <laughs> the really cool pedigree that you had after that, but uh, uh it's really <laughs> neat that you you know you saw the opportunities and you went there. Now, here here's the thing, right? Everybody wants to do video now. There's so many people who want to do podcasting, but there are some core fundamentals, right? Some some core basic things that they need to know before they make those decisions. So, in your many years of experience, Let's talk about some of the things that you train people on and really where they should begin.
0: Yeah, it uh, really begins with uh, an assessment of the client, you know, where they're at, how they talk, how they look, how they sound. If they're going to be on radio quite a bit or podcast like we are now, we focus on uh, voice inflections and tone. How do they sound? Do they sound like they're smiling when they're talking? Or are they monotone all the time? So we look at all those kind of things. But the first thing we look at is the opportunity. If they're going to be on a particular podcast, what's their specialty? What are the hosts like? So do some research ahead of time. Know what their likes and dislikes are. But you've also got to start with who is the audience? You have to be very, very clear on who your audience is. So you speak their language. You, you talk about what interests them. So that's very important. So as a start, that's where we would work. We would work on who the audience is. We would act, uh, work on who the host is and and the focus of the podcast itself. And then we work on their communication skills. So I'm not just a communications expert or trainer or media trainer. I really think my handle should be executive presence coach. Hmm. And that's the difference between just presenting normal information, but how to be that executive, how to have that executive magnetic influence that people really want to see and follow, uh, quite frankly, in the industry.
1: I love knowing your audience. We talk on this podcast all the time about making sure that you have a very specific target message uh, and then really what that desired outcome is. How do you help in our situation, a financial services professional, how do you help them get in the right mindset before anybody hits record or or they show up on camera?
0: Yeah. So initially we will get them on camera just as a baseline to establish a baseline, no training yet. I'll ask them questions, who they are and what's their, their role. And then I'll ask them if you can give me a short little pitch, whether it's a, uh, you know, they're, they're uh, trying to pitch a, uh, their point of view or they're trying to pitch a financial product that they're trying to go for. And it's quite interesting because you'll see when just the last time I did this with a private banker, they went through all the buzzwords in the financial industry. There was no emotional contact for me, connection, as I was listening to this. And I said, at the end of that, I said, great, thank you. I always give that positive reinforcement. But then I said, well, what if you did this? Did you really, uh, do, does your audience really know those words that you talked about there? I think you need to be more relatable. You're almost like a robot giving the information. So that's basically where we start. I said, who is your audience? Who are these people? Are they male, female? What's their age limits? You know, what are, what are they looking for? Uh, and I would think that you want to give them security or try to let them know that it's a fairly secure investment. And I know there are, EO uh issues that you have to be concerned with. But, um, you know, make it relatable to the audience. If it's a big crowd, obviously you can't get real specific. But there are, in general, uh, some rules that you can work with in talking to an audience, a larger audience, and still get them engaged. Tell them the story. What's the backstory? Who, who are these... Uh, these people that are, that came up with this great instrument? What's the, what's the company all about? You know, so give, give them the audience something that they can emotionally hang their hat on and, and understand and feel good about. Do
1: you help them come up with that story? I mean, how do you pull that out of somebody? Because I'll, I'll hear the same thing that, uh, you know, you alluded to a little bit as, you know, people don't really want me to drone on about myself, but how do you, uh, make that connection, right? Um, make it so that they want to tell a, a a passionate, emotionally charged story when maybe even just like that commercial banker, they don't seem to have a lot of that on the surface.
0: Yeah. When it's a high stakes uh, situation presentation or, or a pitch where there's lots of money involved, you do need to develop those stories. And a lot of the CEOs and, and the people that are pitching this don't have a clue on how to do it. They They're a numbers person. They know the background, the facts and figures, but they don't they forget the emotional element. How are these investors going to look at this? Is there any red flags that might make them say, well, wait a minute. So those are the things, yes, you're right. Most of the time spent with the client is drawing that out from them. All right, I'll ask a question. What, what's the emotional element here? What's the time frame? You know, all the background kind of information. And from that, I said, let's craft a story uh, you know, obviously, a realistic story. We're not going to lie here because people can pick that up right away. But formulate a story that they can relate to, for instance, and and bring bring the speaker into it as well if they can. I noticed I did some research on you, Matt, ahead of time, and I see that you're a dog lover. You have a Saint Bernard and a pit bull, and and I used to have a pit bull too. So I'll use that as a relationship, as if I was pitching you. Somehow I'd I'd work in the dog element. And so you would feel good about me as being a dog owner as well. And then we have that commonality. So those are the things that we just through experience and working through with the client for about an hour, hour and a half, sometimes longer. Sometimes it takes a good half day to pull out those core messages that will really resonate with the audience.
1: I'm glad you're a dog lover. That makes me quite happy. See? See? (laughs) Yeah, it totally worked, didn't it? Now, let's talk about scripting. Uh, I just met this lady at a a 401k conference that we did. She's a speaker trainer. uh, Super unbelievable. And one of the things that she challenged me on was was the scripting aspect of it. How do you feel about really heavily scripting and, and or being more extemporaneous?
0: All right, thank you. I love being prepared. So I I get my clients prepared. They know all the facts and figures. They know a talking point. That's what you're talking about I think with scripting, it meaning coming up with with sound bites, if you will, talking points that are key, but not to read it verbatim. People will pick that up right away. If you're up there reciting, uh, you know, a script, it will sound like a script. It almost is like a conversation like you and I are doing right here. It's the give and the take. There may not be that give and take when you're doing your presentation, but remember that they're people, they're, they're listening to what you have to say. So it is important for you to know your message points, but to communicate that hopefully with emotion or be able to tie it into something that's current or topical or, or of interest to the investor. So, I believe on that, being prepared with your talking points or sound bites. When we go on television, it, it is called a sound bite, something that's short, sweet, to the point, hopefully memorable, and it uh, gets the point across. We're communicating very effectively with very short phrases or sentences. I've always wondered this, and you just uh, opened the door,
1: so I'm going to walk through this. I, don't you uh, on television have that teleprompter and are our- uh, I mean, how extemporaneous are you able to be with that, with transitions or anything along those lines?
0: When I was uh, in television, I was the television weather caster. I was the accordion of the news cast, meaning they would uh, give me extra time or they would shorten my time. Wow. So thus the accordion analogy there. But generally, I was uh, given two minutes of airtime and quite often it was cut back while I'm in the middle of my presentation. So I I everything I did was all ad lib. Hmm. I always say that I had the toughest job in the newsroom because the sports people, the news people, they had that teleprompter, but everything we did was all ad lib. And I had to tell my story in two minutes or less, the story of the weather nationally. So yes, everything was extemporaneously spoken by myself, ad libbed, if you will. And uh, you have to tell a story and still be excited and And happy and or, you know, emotional if something happens like a tornado in Toledo. Yeah. So, yes, you have to be careful and and know your stuff, I guess, basically is what it gets down to.
1: Well, and knowing your stuff and knowing your audience, something that we ask our clients to do in preparation for them launching a podcast is to actually draw out or find a picture of their ideal client. So when Mm -hmm. they're talking behind the microphone, they're actually visualizing that end user. Do you have a process
0: like that? And
1: honestly, Steve, is that a good idea?
0: It is a good idea. It's a great idea. You know, when I was doing the weather nationally, obviously in two minutes or 90 seconds is what it got down to, I couldn't tell everybody that was watching their forecast for their specific region. So what I would do is self-edit and hit the highlights of that weather day. Where were the big storms? Maybe three or four or five of them around the nation. I would highlight those and then I would give a broad brush. Well, the rest of the country is sunny or the Southwest is sunny and hot again, that sort of thing. So I was able to um, have the flexibility enough to 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 go uh, give the information, but in a short period of time. Did that answer the question? I
1: think it did answer the question very, very well. Um, Okay. Because, so I think what we're really trying to prepare our clients for is, one, knowing who their end user is and the intention and the outcome. So let's talk about outcomes. When you're coaching somebody and in training them on how to do a, a great presentation, do you start with the end in mind? I, I know I'm getting maybe a little deeper than you might want me to into your process, but but can we talk a little bit about that? Uh, yes, you're going to do your analysis of of who they are and and maybe uh, provide them with some initial feedback on on whatever. But that end result, that end user, that focus when you're building the presentation
0: for them, where does that come into play? it's a very good question and absolutely you start with the end in mind what is it that you want your audience to do if it's an investor pitch do you want them to invest Do you want them to consider this in the next three or four months whatever that outcome is if you're on stage do you want them to go to the back of the room and buy your book Do you want them to uh, book a consultation with you think that in mind and everything that you do during that presentation or that speech uh, is pointing to that end result that you want. So yes, you should start with the end in mind and give some indications as you're, as you're developing your speech or your presentation, give them a little clues on what's coming up. And so that, that will lead them to that final call to action. So for instance, uh, at the end of a presentation, for instance, I, I want them to consider investing a million dollars in this portfolio. So in the beginning and maybe in the middle section of the presentation, I would give a subtle call to action at that point, meaning I would say something along the lines of, you know, if you're really interested in a fast return or a slow return or whatever it might be, you might want to consider this, you might seriously want to consider this investment opportunity. So I've planted a seed already at the beginning or maybe in the middle of the presentation. So when it comes to the end, the call to action at the end, Um, they're already aware of what they should be doing. They're they're just going to fall in line, hopefully, and follow through with the call to action that you want. So yes, start with the end in mind and drop some subtle reminders throughout the speech. We just launched something called the Podcast Coaching Program.
1: And the Podcast Coaching Program has got two parts. It's got a a Second level is live. Uh, The first level is an online thing, which in fact uh, is something that I'm going to be talking to you a little bit about uh, as we uh, continue to build our relationship here, Steve. Because I think uh, with your background, especially from from being a a, a media expert and a presentation expert, you could add some great value to our program. Now, one of the things that I struggle with sometimes is, is the feedback aspect of it. So. When somebody hires you, they're mm-hmm. probably going to be a pretty heavy hitter, right? Which means they're going to come Correct. to Steve with yeah. maybe a little bit of ego, and and that could be a huge understatement, but yeah. how do you deliver feedback, and do you have some advice for me and, and our listeners so that when they get feedback, they realize that it's coming from a good place?
0: Well, I let them know up front, any client that comes in, I let them know my style of, of working with them, and I said... I'm going to be brutally honest with you because you're paying me good money and I want you to know that I have only your best interest in mind. I'm not going to nitpick you, I'm not going to change you. And a lot of people think that, uh, Matt, they, they think that I'm going to change them into some robot or Tony Robbins or something like that. Far from the truth, because everybody has their own personality, their own uniqueness, and that's what makes you, you. So. I let them know ahead of time, but I will tell them I will be brutally honest and you may not like me for a while, and I don't care. You, but you hopefully will like the results. And I, and I don't come off that that hard and and narrow, but I, you know I, I try to let them know there's a better way of doing what you just did. Here's how we could do it. Try this way. Uh, and you're right. at the initial first time we meet, oh boy, this is this is a power struggle right here at the very beginning because they're posturing. They're, they're letting me know that they're this top executive and they, they really shouldn't even be here because they know so much. They've, they've done many, many presentations before and so forth. Who are you to teach me? But once they realize my background, I give them some confidence, I give them some clarity in their message, they begin to lower that wall of resistance. And then we have a great working relationship together, but it does take a little bit of a dance at the beginning uh, to start with for sure. So there you go.
1: Well, I think I'm going to really start following your stuff a little bit more than, than I have been because I'm really interested in, in, in that dance. I know that that's something that I can always get better at uh, because I have the same intention that you do. I want my clients and our clients at Top Advisor Marketing to to really do their best. But uh, sometimes I feel I'm being too soft. Sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm being a little uh, harder. Now, with all of that ridiculous stuff that that I just said there, uh, I, I want to uh, really go back to another question I get all the time, which is PowerPoint, all right? So I hear this left and right, and in fact, I was just watching this TED Talk this morning when I was working out, and this woman was one of the best Speakers, I mean, actually, she was a terrible presenter, but how she did it, she made her terribleness work, which was really interesting. I should send it to you because it was fascinating. Mm. Yeah, but at the good. end, so she's at a TED Talk. She got everybody to stand up, Steve, and hold hands, which I was like, wow, dude, that's really powerful. And she only had like one or two slides. Now, my advisors that we work with are wicked slide heavy, especially when they're doing seminars and workshops. How do you feel about that? And after you answer that, can you answer how they should interact with the the media behind them.
0: All right. I am a big believer in obviously, from my background, uh, using some visuals, but I had to use visuals because that's what I'm talking about. Um, so, but I am a big believer if you're doing a talk like a TED talk or some presentation to limit the number of slides and presentations that will force you, number one, to be much better at giving your story, telling your story, and not just, you know. Thinking of all the elements, the, the, how you deliver your voice, your tonality, the emotional element that you move into the story as you're telling the story, getting the audience involved occasionally, maybe a show of hands, asking for a show of hands, things that uh, you, you work into to get the audience involved and get them really engaged in the story itself. But if you must use PowerPoints, use, um, you know, maybe 10 slides for a 20 minute talk. So keep it short, get to the point, and always, again, with these visuals, always ask what's in it for the audience. Why do they need to see this? And the PowerPoint slides you put up there need to be super simple. Maybe a picture, maybe a sentence, and that's about it. So don't go too heavy in that regard because the audience needs to... The PowerPoint slide should just back up what you are saying. It's not saying exactly what you just said. And a lot of people make that mistake. They'll just read the slide verbatim. And that's wrong. But what you need to do is have that slide to supplement or add to what you've just told them. So that's, that's my take on, on, on using visual elements of communication. It is important because some people are more visually oriented and they can learn from the visual end of it. But you don't want to lose them or the other part of the audience that is more auditory, that will respond to more of the verbal. Uh, and that's, uh, that kind of leads into another part of presenting that a lot of people don't think about. And that's a part of my executive, what I call executive presence. And that is the nonverbal clues that we give our audience. And that is unbelievable. That's, that's eye contact, that's gestures, that's uh, hand movement, and body movement it's it's that nonverbal influence that must match up with your message because if your message doesn't match up with your verbal clues that they're getting and your your nonverbal body language the message is going to be lost so you've got to have all those together so in short to cut it all streamline it all down keep your powerpoint slides to a minimum try working more on your story the emotional how you deliver it the tone you use and that will engage your audience much more than a whole bunch of PowerPoint slides.
1: As you do, Steve, you know, you prepare uh, for interviews like this or, or, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I've always found that the best question that I can ask you is what should I have asked you? <laughs> like, I, you know, I come in with, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna ask him all these questions. And and now I'm thinking to myself, you know what, I, maybe I'm missing something. Like what, what, uh, what else should I have asked you that really highlights who you are and what makes you truly unique and different.
0: Well, I think it's the, well, you you did a great job. You covered all the bases for sure. As I've alluded to several times in this talk already, and that was on purpose, is that I focus on executive presence. And I think that's what makes the difference between an average speaker, an average presenter and someone that has that it factor, that executive presence. One person that I can relate to who has that executive presence, in my opinion, I worked with him for quite a while in the early days of CNN. That was the CNN founder, Ted Turner. He was unbelievable leader, very charismatic. Uh, you wouldn't think of him as a typical uh, overachiever uh, or you know a type A personality. He had a strong southern drawl and you know good old boy kind of sound to him, but he was highly intelligent. And he knew how to work with people and how to be around people. And we all wanted to work for him. And, and you know, when you're starting a, a news network from ground zero with no budget, we all had to work our butts off for him. So that was the that was my exposure to what is that executive uh, presence. And I think if you don't act, look, and sound like an executive or leader, it's going to be extremely difficult to be perceived as one or to be even become one. So... I think work on that executive presence in addition to everything else that goes into presentations, you know, what you say, how you structure your story and all that. Now, I know this all sounds, you know, overwhelming and it can be, but we have a system, a structure where we move the executive, the client through each of these processes pretty quickly because as you mentioned too, (laughs) excuse me, earlier, these uh, executives are very type A, very quick, let's get it done. Thirty minutes is all I have. Let's move on. Uh, that forces me to move these systems very quickly. I think the IT factor is the my secret sauce, if you will.
1: Man, just the simple fact you got to hang out with Ted Turner is that's amazing. He's he's amazing, right? I mean, you can put him in the amazing category. And and having the opportunity to learn from him and and have back and forth, uh, you know, I in my kind of growing up within this industry, I had a I had a mentor like that too. And it was just amazing to watch him on stage and watch him interact with people from everything from a creation to an um, engagement and how he, genuine he made everybody feel that he truly cared. And I love that you've touched on a lot of those sorts of things throughout uh, our podcast today. And Steve, if our listeners want to reach out and, and, and hire you uh, or to even just find out more about how you can help them become a better presenter, what's the best way for them to find you?
0: Uh thank you, Matt. I, I believe in direct communication, obviously. That works the best. So here's my cell phone number, 949-720-2080. And if you're more of a, a written kind of person, written written communication, you can try Steve Koch, K-O-S-C-H at gmail.com. And then my website, of course, is mediatrainingnetwork.com. And uh yeah, I'm I'm more than happy to talk about any situation that you might have and find out if it is a good fit for us to work together or if I can, you know, fix that flat tire, so to speak, right away for you. Yeah. So give me a call. I'd be more than happy to help you out.
1: And Steve, we will make sure that we have all of that in the show notes. So thanks, man, for being on the show today. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Matt. Hope to meet you soon someday. Absolutely. Well, so just to wrap up today's podcast, there is no reason not to get this training. When you're doing your 2020 budget and you're really looking at, okay, you know, what is something that I can do for myself to truly become the best me I can be, go through media training. Uh, a really good friend of mine, his name is Jason Lahita, took me through my first media training almost 10 years ago, and it literally changed how I did everything from a presentation standpoint. The press loved me more because I understood the game. If you're really looking for that public relations, whether that's a PR from the news or out in the community, go through media training. Learn how to get that executive presence. You're going to find that not only does it help you professionally, but it also can help you personally. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you click that subscribe now button below. That way, every time we come out, the new podcast will show up directly on your listening device. And if you know somebody who truly does need some media training, all you have to do is click that share button. Super, super easy. If you have any ideas for topics or guests, or you just want to give us some feedback about the podcast, if you can just email me at matt at com. I'll be more than happy to respond to you and also keep you updated on the progress of your suggestions. And finally, if you truly want to have your own podcast and get your voice out in the marketplace to rise above the noise of the mainstream media, guess what? We've got a great system for you, and we'd love to chat with you about it. So for Steve and everybody here at Top Advisor Marketing, we'll see you on the other side of the mic very
0: soon. Are you ready to change the way you communicate with your clients? Are you tired of being the best-kept secret in your area? Learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your business. Contact us today and see what the power of podcasting can do for your business. Click on the Contact Us link on our website at topadvisormarketing.com and set up a call to learn more. Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook for more updates and information. This was brought to you by iris.xyz a platform helping financial professionals become better in business and life through new media and new voices. Visit them and learn more at iris.xyz.